Well, welcome again. We're glad that you've chosen to be with us today. If you don't, if we haven't met, my name's Daryl. I am the uh, lead pastor here. Uh, and before I dive into um, Corinthians, I want to make an announcement. Upstairs, we have kids' church taking place right right now, and uh, we we're needing some adult help, a little bit of adult help. And so I think we need three adults. Now, those three adults could be couples. And what we're asking for is that, you know, every uh, couple or every adult takes, uh, and you'll have a helper, will take one Sunday a month. So you're committing to one Sunday a month. And you're also going to have to have a background check. I just want to put that out there right now. So if you're going to get nervous, don't go up there. Um, (laughs) You know, I've had one. And mine didn't come back all that great. <clears throat> That's why I'm down here, not upstairs. Thank you very much. Um, some of us have an old life. <laughs> Praise God for re- redemption. But it came back great enough that I can hang with the kids. Let's put it that way. Um, so uh, really pray about that. Uh, it's, it, being with those children is a gift. It really is a gift. And I know that some of us, when you, th- you think that if you go up there, we'll never see you again. That's not true. I'll come up and visit. <laughs> Shake your hand and tell you how much I love what you're doing. You'll get many visits from me. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and so, so really pray about it. And I mean, this is a real need. I know I'm kind of joking around a little bit. But it, it is serious, and, and it is an opportunity, and those children are precious. They're just precious. So uh, if God is tugging on your heart, go upstairs and talk to Ruth, or even come talk to me if you like, um, and uh, I'll, we'll get you going. I'm going to go ahead and take our offering in the front just because of what I think Lord wants to do today. But um, I want to I read you a scripture. This is out of Mark 12. And Jesus said, Jesus sat down near the collection box at the temple and he watched the crowds drop their money in. Many rich people put large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins, actually two pennies. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others that are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part, a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. She's given everything she's had to live on. I want to submit to you today that this woman understood worship. She understood giving. Look, much of what Jesus talked about talked about giving in the Gospels, but I want to submit to you today: giving is worship. It is worship, and um, uh, I've raised all three of my children to give. From the moment they got a penny, I taught them. This much goes to God. 
Um, but, but the thing is, in our culture, finances has such a big hook on us. And it also, and I, I, I just want to let you know that the Lord provides. The Lord is bigger than your checking account, bigger than your IRAs, bigger than your bills. He's bigger than all of that. She knew it. This woman knew it. And Jesus said, I want you guys to look at her because she's an example to all of us. So, let's pray. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would find here with all of us, every one of us, you would teach us what it means to worship you with with everything we have. Not just money, but with everything we have, that we would have a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle that uh, invites us into freedom in so many ways. And I pray you bless this, the those that are giving. I pray you bless those that desire to give and can't for whatever reason. I pray that you set them free. Set us all free. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to help us be responsible and use it for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So that this is a great time to put your uh, your uh, Connect card in the bag. As uh, as Have you guys gone around yet? Because I wasn't listening, I wasn't watching. So th- we're going to be taking the offering right now, and they'll be coming around. It's a great time to put your uh, your bag in the car. So come on up, and we got people waving at people, sign language. What's going on? Okay, we're talking, going through the First Corinthians. And we're in chapter 5, so you can either pull it up on your device, um, or you can, if those of you that carry your sword this way, you can open it. But most people use a device. <clears throat> Remembering that, you know, as Paul wrote um, to the Corinthian church from Ephesus, He was really addressing some of the problems he was hearing about. He had some visitors, and they came and they um, were sharing some of the things that were going on there in Corinth. And remember last week I told you to be told that you, to to, to say that you were a Corinthian was really a slang or it was not all that great of a deal because it meant that you're an immoral person. That's what the, the city was known for, was its immorality. And, um, you know, we talked about divisions, immorality, lawsuits, marriage, food, public worship, how to take the Lord's Supper. It talked about spiritual gifts and then the resurrection of Christ. And all these things, Paul is writing them from, from Ephesus and he's exhorting them. And here we are in chapter 5 and he goes on, Paul, Paul as he receives this, what he calls a scandalous sex report that's going on in the church. I get to talk about sex today. And he was flabbergasted. He was, and what he was talking about, he says, I can't believe that what I'm hearing is you're tolerating this. He goes, one of your men in the church is sleeping 
with his stepmother. Now look, I know in our culture, even that is bad. Right? We'd all frown on that, right? It's a good time to say amen, brother. <laughs> but we also live in a cult- culture that is rapidly changing before our eyes. From the, from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s through the 80s, and now we're into the 2000s. Uh, and, you know, and our culture is literally being formed by the entertainment industry. I've got at least three believers. <laughs> and it is. I, I don't think anybody will doubt that. Uh, your grandchildren, your children are, are so drawn to that. And, and that is the influence that's, that we have in our world today. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you, growing up, um, you might not know this, but you remember the program. Some of you older people will remember this program, and then I'll unpack it for you, called That Girl. Okay. That girl was supposed to be casted as a single mom. And because of the culture, they wouldn't do it. Because that was frowned upon in our culture during the the 60s. So they cast that program differently. And we've come a long way, baby. Uh, so I can go on and on and on about that, but I think we all realize that there, there is morality has been rapidly changing in the last couple of de- decades. And so Paul's talking about, look, even in Corinth, that is seen as wrong. But yet, you're allowing it to take place in the church. He says, doesn't that do something to you? Is really what he's saying here. Shouldn't that break your hearts? Shouldn't that drop, bring tears to your eyes that this is taking place right under your nose and not only under your nose? It's not like it's not like it's under your nose and you don't know about it. It's like you know about it and you're ignoring it as if it's going to go away. And he says, no, it's not. It's not going to. Here he is. He's talking. He's, he's talking to them here from Ephesus through this letter. Shouldn't that person's conduct be confronted? Does, does anybody care enough to say, look, man, what you're doing is like dead wrong? And I understand, you know, trying to think about in our culture where we have such an independence and we put a fence around every house and we don't even have front porches anymore. We're gone to the back with the awnings and so forth so nobody can see you and you don't have to see them. I get all that. But when do we in our culture sit there and go right is right and wrong is wrong? Paul would say, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. And this is as he's writing there in in Corinthians chapter 5. Even though I'm not there in person, consider that I'm right there with you. As if I'm actually there in the flesh. I am going to help you walk through this. And he goes flat out and says, I am telling you 
that this is wrong. No, 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 no. He's not just saying it's wrong. And the person's going, well, I know it's wrong for you, but that, don't put your stuff on me, right? That, what's wrong for you doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong for me. Paul's saying it's wrong in Christ. It's wrong in Christ. And we live in a society today where the majority is determining morality, wherever that is. And it'll be different depending on what groups we talk to, right? We just can't simply look the other way. He goes on, he says, look, bring it out in the open and deal with it under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because, not because it's the, what Paul is saying here is it is the Lord's church, right? The community of faith belongs to Jesus. I don't care what banner you put on the door. I mean, we prayed for the congregational church, a very old and long established church. Isn't it not still Jesus' church? Right. So he's saying, look, I don't care what they're doing down the street. You belong to Jesus. Remember when I came and you gave your life to Christ and I, there during my six, uh, second uh, church planning journey and evangelism and you came to Christ? And so now he's coming back and he's not trying to beat them up. He's trying to draw them in to Jesus. He goes and says, assemble the community. And I'll be there with you in spirit. And the Lord's power will be with you. Hold this man's conduct to accountability. Accountability. Now, because of our culture, I'm going to pick on us. Is that all right? I hate being told what to do. What about you? I hate to be told I'm wrong. I mean, how many of us, you know, go to each other and say, well, what do you think about this? We like to form our own opinions. And, you know, I'm always right up between here. Between those two ears right there, there's a whole lot of right going on. I'd, I'd even go beyond that. She thinks this, but I'm right. Right? But that's the way we are. And we have opinions about everybody else. We have opinions about everything else going around us, and yet, where does our opinions, where do they formulate from? What, what do you use as a foundation of how you formulate your opinions. I would submit to you today that using the words of Jesus in the scriptures are very helpful. He says, bring him forth and let him defend himself. He goes, huh, if he can. Right? I mean, how do you defend? I'm sleeping with my dad's mom, a wife. Right? I don't know how I get all the best scriptures off the, 
preaching team. I said to Daniel last night, I said, how do I get all the good stuff? And you guys are going to talk about love, you know, and all this other stuff. And I'm here in chapter 5. How do you make that encouraging? But he goes on and says that, that Paul says, you know, you need to love this guy enough to challenge him. And you need to love him enough if he does not, uh, does not hear what you're saying, if he does not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you need to ask him to leave. He goes on and he even uses stronger language than that. You need to say, I, we're telling you to leave and we're giving you over to the hands of Satan. That, yet, doesn't that feel like it's extreme? It doesn't, hey, I hear you. I hear you. But what he says there, and this is what we need to really hear, what he says is better that he shows up and gets to go to heaven than he lives a life that he wants to live and goes to hell. And now I know some of you are going, what is hell? Well, I'm going to give you my example of what I think hell is. Hell is anything where you spend eternity without Jesus. And how you want to figure that out Go for it. But if I'm not with Jesus in the afterlife, then I'm in hell. Okay? All right, so that, that one you can take home with you. And that's what Paul is saying. Isn't it better for him to come to a place of repentance and walk with Jesus than to live in the muck and the mire of life? Now, I've been pastoring for well over 35 years, and I've seen a lot. I've had to deal with a lot. More things than I want to remember. But I frank, uh, uh, truthfully, I've never had to deal with anything like this. Few things that possibly came close. Then he goes on, picking up with verse 6. Paul goes on and says this. He says, your boasting about it is terrible. Don't you realize that this is sin? It's like a little east that is spread throughout the whole batch of the dough. What he's saying here, if you let this, life, the world around us has a way to erode our spirit. It's, a, it's, it's an erosion. It's like putting yourself, it's like putting metal in acid. And it just erodes it very slowly. And this is, what he's, this is the example he's using. If you allow these kind of things to take place, the spiritual life of the community of faith will be, uh, create an erosion. And I've seen it personally in my own personal life where I, where, I, where I felt like I had grace to do certain things. And all it did was create a spiritual erosion in my life where I had to come back and say, I was wrong. I was wrong. I, 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 I can't have this in my life. And then I had to decide on a personal level what was good for me. How I was going to conduct life. And uh, early on, and part, of that, part of that is that there are certain things, and I probably went overboard with this. My kids would probably say yes. Um, but there was just a lot of things we wouldn't let them watch on programs. There, um, and, but the, here's the truth. Because I wouldn't let them watch it, I wouldn't watch it. In other words, when they went to bed, I wouldn't go turn it on and watch it after they went to bed. Because I, I wanted to be an example to them. 
So I would do what I would require of them. And some of that is still carried on into today. Paul goes, continues on in verse 7. Get rid of the old east by removing its wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without east, which is what you really are. Okay, now, okay, shut the door. We're all going to have a, uh, a confession, and we're going to have this place of holiness, and we're not going to let anybody leave, and we're not going to let anybody come in. Somebody should really just say, I don't think so. <laughs> right? So it's, it, what is Paul really saying here? He's saying, look, we need to be responsible like adults. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So he refers back to the fact of the, the new covenant, the breaking, the renewal, the, the grace. He's talking about, look, we have the ability to go on. As a matter of fact, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm a recovering sinner. Have been for over 40 years. That is just such a great place to say, amen, brother, come on. I think you're preaching now, man. <laughs> Church is not perfect. But when things are blatant, what Paul is really getting at, if there's real love in the midst of us, if there's real accountability with us, won't we go after the one to try to restore? Because that's what Jesus said. That's what Paul's doing here. I mean, this is an extreme thing, obviously. But that's what he's talking about. It goes on in verse 8. So let us celebrate the festival, not with old bread of wickedness and evil, but with a new bread of sincerity and truth. So what he's saying here is, look, this is, this is a new day. I can't believe. What he's really saying here is he says, you know, you guys are just like everybody out there. What's the difference? What makes you any different than your neighbors outside of your community? Verse 9. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or a greedy person or a person that cheats or worships idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Right? What he's talking about is the people we have community with, relationship with, that needs to be challenged. We need to be challenged. We need to put ourselves in a place of vulnerability and openness and willingness to say yes to Jesus. As a matter of fact, we talked a little bit about you know, community and we talked about the realm and we talked about the women's fellowship. Do you know every time we get together, our hearts is to get the, together around the person, Jesus Christ. Every time. Every time we come together, whether it be in our connect groups, whether it be in our, our fellowship groups with the women, whether it be in our fellowship groups with the men, whether it be with outreach, whatever it is, it is around the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the beginning and the end. He is, our, he is the one that's given us Life, a life worth living. So as he goes on in verse 11 and says, 
I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sins. In other words, if you're caught up, and from time to time that happens. I, and I believe you would too, if if I'm at a fault, or if there's or if there's something in me that, that is, is wrong, vertently wrong to the personage of Jesus Christ, I would love it for somebody to come and tell me. Because sometimes between these ears, I'm blinded. This is not a good time to laugh. Or say amen. Don't say that either. Matter of fact, don't even agree with me. Leave me alone. Let me just go down my merry way. Don't bother me. Who cares where I end up, right? Right? Just leave me alone. Don't call. Don't knock on my door. Don't show up. Don't, just leave, just leave, me, leave me about my own business, right? But this is some of the keys. It is not, Paul says, it is not, it is not, It is not my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly my responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scripture says, you must remove evil person from among you. Now, you know what? My experience is that most people that are caught up uh, are caught up in some devastating shortfall, immorality, they don't hang around. They leave on their own. I, very, I think I can, I can count on two fingers how many times I've actually asked somebody say, you're not welcome here. And let me tell you this. When I say it, it is truly the last resort. Because I don't take things like that lightly. And I essentially believe God can change anybody. Matter of fact, I know he can. <laughs> but, you know, so I'm, we're not too quick. Now, so what is, what is the essence of what Paul is saying here? Now, I hope this is really a wake-up call for many of us. I, I hope we just kind of, I need to really kind of think through life here. I need to think about my decision-making. I need to think about what I put my eyes on to. I need to think about what I listen to. I need to think about... Uh, the conversations I have. I need to think about my lifestyle. Is there any place in my life or in your life, I want to submit this to you, in your life that is offensive to Jesus? I'm not here. I'm not judging. I'm just asking a question. So, in the community, this is how we build our lives. This is what we focus on. In the community, as it reads in... Um, John 8.31, it says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in me, or if you remain in me, my word, you are truly my disciple. A disciple is a learner, a follower of. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Wow. Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but my question is, how many of us want to be free? Dude, I'm all in. 
Sure. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you know me and you abide and remain in me, if you're my disciple, if you're somebody that believes in me and you come into my, you, you call me Lord. You know, the Bible says those who seek me, find me. Those who call upon my name, I am there. The scriptures go on and on and on. Paul echoes this all through the letters that he wrote, that this is who Christ is. He wasn't trying to draw people to himself, even right there. He said, this is what Jesus did for us at the, his covenant, at the, great, the, great, uh, the last supper. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. This is the new covenant, a new covenant of love. And then when he talks about it, as you, you went Mark 12, when he said the scribe comes to Jesus and says, well, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. You know what that says? Love the Lord God with your body parts. <laughs> what? Good, good question. What? With your whole mind, soul, strength, everything. With your body. With your whole person. You're loving God. And if you're loving God with your whole person, your, lo- your life will change. Well, maybe there's some parts of you that are resisting. I get it. I like to tell. Let me give you, let me give you, there's a, something called, it's a prayer. It comes out of the desert father and mothers. So it's really old. And I use it when, my, when this stinking thinking starts going the wrong way. Now, I know you guys don't have stinking thinking, but I do. And when it starts drifting off into that never-never land of junk, I go, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. The minute I say the word Jesus, my thoughts change. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Sometimes I have to say that a lot. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Not too long ago, I asked the Lord, I said, does my mind always have to be this ugly? Does it have to be like this? Do I have to just just put up with it? The Lord said, no. Really? Because I need a lot of help. Yeah, that's why I'm here. Well, what do I do? Daryl, use my name. Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on me. Changes just like that. See, those who come to him, Jesus responds to. Remember when he, he said in Matthew 11, I said this last week, but... For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, come learn of me, for I am gentle. And sometimes he says, come and I will teach you. Jesus will teach you. Jesus will teach you. So let me give you a few statements here. Jesus is always at work around you. Always. He's always at work around you. Even when you don't recognize Him, you don't see Him, you don't feel Him, but He's there. It makes Him who He is. Jesus is always at work around you. 
So Lord, I my prayer, just quickly as I'm thinking about this, that every one of us in this room would begin to recognize you around us, wherever we're at. Because Jesus is always at work. Jesus pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. I want to, Jesus is very relentless about you. About you. No, no, no. Get that out of your head. I know Jesus always loves this person better because look, all the, they have a blessed life. Everything they touch turns to gold. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, Jesus has favorites. No, 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 no. You're his favorite. You are his favorite. You are the only person in this room for him right now. And he's pursuing you. Just like he was pursuing that young man that was so deeply stuck in an immoral situation. Jesus was pursuing him. Jesus invites you to become involved with him and his work. Jesus invites you to come and be a part of his work. Now, how many of you, how many of us, how many of us pray, Lord, I'm going to do this, and I just pray you bless it? Who's got ownership of that? Lord, this is really what I want to do, and I want you to, you know, pave the way. Versus, Lord, I'm not too sure what I'm supposed to do with this. Would you lead and guide me? Would you show me your provision for this? Would you show me the door that you're opening for this? You know, uh, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So this situation didn't work out for me. I have a suggestion for you. Instead of saying, God don't, you know, instead of getting all emotional, mad, and and feeling rejected, what I would do, what I suggest that we do, and this is what I suggest how we encourage one another, God's got something better. If this didn't work out, God's got another plan. And I guarantee you it's going to be better than the one you think. I guarantee it. Encourage each other with that. Jesus speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible. Sword, thank you. Prayer, circumstances, and the community of faith. To reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Now, this is just a great time to say amen. Amen. And guess what? You get to be a part of that decision making. You see, the church there in Corinth, it wasn't all spread out everywhere. They, They lived closer together. They knew everybody's in and out. I mean, more so than we like. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) 
You know, they lived up, upstairs above each other, down below. It was in these smaller communities. But we still are a community. Whether we like it or not, we are a community. And we're a community that believes in what the Lord is doing with us. And we need to get better at being a community. Which, one way of getting better at being a community is being a little more vulnerable. Open. Which wouldn't hurt me either. Jesus' invitation for you to to work with him always leads to crises of belief that requires faith and action. You didn't want to hear that, did you? The way we would, another way we would put it, it always requires risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That's how we spell it. It always requires some kind of crisis. You mean you want me to do this? You mean I've got to change? You mean, you mean how's that going to work? I don't, are you kidding me? Now that's one of my personal conversations with Jesus. I'm just being transparent. When the Lord called me to pastor this church, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I woke up and the Lord said, Get up, I want to talk to you. So I got up and went to sit down. And uh, the person at Plant Church, his name was Peter Eirich. Let's have the worship team come forward. And Peter Eirich, he and I were good friends. We lived in a commune together. Uh, That's another story. Um, And uh, uh, the Lord said, I'm calling Peter to Eastern Europe to work behind, at the time there was an Iron Curtain, to work with the church behind in Eastern Europe. And I want you to take the, the church. And I said... No. Didn't think about it. Didn't even pray about it. Said no. I quote, I like to be liked. They don't like pastors. That's what I said. And I said no. And I went back to bed. Better than I thought. <laughs> so uh, it's good to be transparent with Jesus, but 